Hi, this is Garrett Graham. You're listening to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Hello, Brittany. Hi, how are you? Hi, Rob. I'm good. How about you? I'm great. A terrific day, terrific podcast. We're going to put a little pre-roll to today's episode. A couple of things. Cleaning house here. Did you know that when we started recording these episodes to the Children of the Corn series, that they released a new Children of the Corn? What? Yeah. What so, do you mean? There's nine now? Well, as far as I can see, there we did six, and then there's seven, which came in your deluxe box set. Yes. There's eight, which is apparently only available on DVD, and then there's a ninth one. That's too many. Well, it leads me to believe that they're not stopping any time <laughs> soon. <laughs> so there's no end in sight, because when this all started, I thought that there was only seven. Yeah. And then you were like, well, actually, there's eight. And I was like, no. But then now you're telling me there's nine. I don't know, man. Well, let's first pump the brakes on me being a, well, actually, <laughs> oh my there's God, nine he's guy. He, he's literally never said actually to me, <laughs> ever. Well, anywho. <laughs> anywho is the new actually. <laughs> so I figure if they're going to be pumping these out, let's wait until there's six more, you know, so that we can do the corn series in blocks of six. Sure. It just, it fits. It delays it 10 more years? I mean, yeah, I'm down for that. Well, why not? So this episode will be the end of phase one of Children of the Corn, and we kind of end it with a boom. Wait, what's better than boom? What's more farm-related than boom? What could we end this like? Tractor? Yeah, we end this like a tractor with our special guest who you've probably seen in the description, and we introduced pretty early on in the show. It was a great discussion. And uh, if I say so, Brittany, I think it's one of our best episodes ever. It's all thanks to our special guest and your yeah. editing skills. Well, and cold water from a garden hose. Oh, yeah. But we were so like ready to be done with corn talk, Brittany, that we forgot something very crucial, which ends up being a blessing in disguise. Because, because he gets it up top. Yeah, it comes in at the beginning now. Our, uh, our main man, Jeremy Siegel who composed the music, the theme music for Pumpkin Spice Podcast. We want to give a big thanks. He's got a Patreon page whose link is in the bio of this episode. Thanks, Jeremy. Hell yeah. Brittany, everyone else should already know that uh, we're operating under Pink Jeans now, so our Patreon is patreon.com slash pinkjeans. It's the same page. They let us change the URL, but it better suits the idea that support for this show goes to both Pumpkin Spice Podcast and the TV show show. That's right. Was that too emphatic? No, but uh, I think this is perfect time to give a shout out to new patrons. Yes, thank you so much, new patrons. Brittany, just to give a shout out to all of our patrons, I think that's fair. We've never actively done this, and we're still early on. I think it's time to just start at the top of the list. Thank you to Graham High. Hey, we know him. He guessed it on one of our shows. Yeah. Brother extraordinaire. Yes. Probably shouldn't do last names, but I'm going to say first names because, you know, Graham's last name can be on here because he's on the show. And and we're related, so. Yes. Jothan, thank you. Katie, thank you. Joel, Ian, Adam, Connor, Bill, Felipe, Ed, Davey, Jessica, 
Thank you so much. Sarah, Chris, these lists go on and we say thank you. Brittany. Yes. This is a fun episode and I think we've, uh, we've teed it up long enough. I'm ready to hit that ball. Let's go. Bye-bye. Bye. Or see you at the end. Or yeah, see you at the see you before, during, and after. Cue the music. Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. It is a seasonal artisanal treat. It's tasty. I like it. My name's Rob Schulte. I'm Brittany High. And Brittany, we are here today to talk about Children of the Corn 666. But before that, I have a very important question for you. What's that? Have you ever seen the movie The Candyman? Or just Candyman? I don't believe so. Okay, well, I had to watch it. Uh, I should have watched it previously. But I watched it recently because I had to do a quick recap for a podcast called The Greatest Generation, which one of those hosts has decided to join us today on this episode. Whoa, it's the circle of life. That's crazy. It really is. So let's welcome Adam Pranica. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. If at any point you decide you'd rather have been here, uh, <laughs> we can just swap out. Well, I am a California man. Right. Not really. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> Adam, thank you for forcing me to watch Candyman. You know, had I known that that's actually what I was asking you to do, I never would have brought it up. I just assumed that your encyclopedic knowledge of horror films would have meant that you had seen it already. Brittany, you hear that? The ruse has made it to the public. (laughs) Well, you fooled me. Well, I'm just fooling myself now. But no, uh, I had no idea that was what The Candyman was about, which I don't want to give it away for everyone here because we're going to cover it as a bonus episode. But... It's few and far between that I see a movie or have heard about a movie for over a decade and know zero about it, but have preconceived notions. Um, yeah, why do you think that is? It was it, like it's a zeitgeisty reference yeah. film, but uh, why was it also unpopular? I have no clue because it seems like when I was a child, and Brittany, chime in here if you did this too, but like. There was the Bloody Mary one. Say Bloody Mary in front of a mirror three times, four times, whatever, spin around, and she's supposed to leap out and chase you off a cliff or something? Brittany, did you have that? Oh, I have... I'm not sure what the result was supposed to be, but do you think that I dared to try it? Because I didn't. (laughs) Absolutely not. Is that something you guys were fearful of? Like, to my knowledge, there are no cliffs in Kansas City, right? (laughs) No, there there were bluffs. Uh Uh-huh. Which... And I'm not even just talking about this lie that we told children. (laughs) I think I was fearful of it mainly because I was raised in a, like, strict household. Mm. And so, like, why would anyone lie to me? Why'd you invite that lady in here? Like, now there's some lady in our bathroom chasing my son down. Why did you do that? (laughs) You were warned by an aging grandparent that, uh, now y'all don't go near those cliffs sometimes. Bluffs are better. How do your clients plead? As they lit matches with their bare thumbs. Oh, yeah. That's a power move. That and, like, drinking underage with a grandpa is probably two old people power moves. They just want to see you get drunk in front of the family. You know, my grandparents were not 
permissive in that way. What about you, Brittany? Did you have uh, like did you drink with your grandparents? Is that a <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, no, I didn't. My grandparents are teetotalers, man. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you so shocked? Well, I don't. Maybe because I don't know what a, a teetotaler is. They didn't drink at all. What about water? The etymology is uh, they they totally drank tea, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how you can remember. Uh, my grandma once, when I was like in college, so I was like you know big on drinking. <laughs> <laughs> like home for like Christmas break or something. We went to a Mexican restaurant. I'm like, Grandma, get a margarita. Come on, girl. Like, <laughs> and she she did because she loves me. But it was so cute. Cause she had like an sip, and then she was like, I can't have any more. I gotta drive home. And I was like, <laughs> What? <laughs> she just like, What's she happening? spins her. She takes off her top and spins it over her head, and she's like, Get me those fajitas. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, she she never did it again. She mm. said that alcohol makes her feel sick. Well, speaking of feeling sick, should we jump into today's episode? (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of waking up from comas, let's jump into today's episode. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's a a great segue. You know me. I'm a professional. We've we've been over this. You keep telling me that. Yeah, you keep saying it over and over. You just have to believe it. Anyway. You have that t-shirt and like the plaque on your wall. We get it. Hey. I bought that for myself, and I am proud of it. Okay, we start with the uh, IMDb user-submitted storyline for Children of the Corn 666 Isaac's Return, which came out in 1999. Amon Green says, Hannah goes back to her hometown to find out about her mother, but on the way, she picks up a strange man who foreshadows her life from a Bible quote. When she gets there, she wakes up Isaac from a coma he has been in for 19 years. And Isaac wants revenge. See, these are always a little back and forth. They're kind of right most of the time, but since they're submitted by a user, they're mostly opinion and wrong. For every season, there is a time for friendship. Maybe I want you to stick around. A time for love. Don't be scared. We were destined. And a time (laughs) for terror. Isaac is back. Now is the day of salvation. To fulfill the final prophecy. Finish it. Don't be afraid. your soul is going to burn in hell. I don't have a soul. Does that timeline hold up? The Like, in 1980, did the first Children of the Corn film come out, and, and in that film, did Isaac fall into a coma? Uh, no, not at all, because <laughs> I, and I was under the impression that he died at the end of the first one. Oh, so this is yeah. a little bit of retconning, right? This is bringing back a fan favorite. Yep, and part of it is that John Franklin, who plays, plays Isaac, helped write this movie. Oh, you know what? This Which, film did have Vanity Project as a <laughs> as a feel, right? <laughs> it really was going to launch the later half of his career. He right. was trying to go for a Travolta move. Yeah. For the rest of my years, I'm going to live off the dividends. Brittany, um, this is part of your deluxe DVD set that you bought, correct? That is correct. Is this the final film in your deluxe set? 
No, I also have seven. Mm-hmm. But you want to hear something weird? The DVD set, Adam, to catch you up, it's only including Children of the Corn 2 through 7. What? <laughs> it's, yeah. two, it's two different discs. One disc has two sides. The other disc is just like standalone disc, right? And what's weird is, I just discovered this, 5 is the one that's by itself. What? And so six and seven are on the other side of the first disc. I was like, this is messed up. Uh, Part five had all of the star power, sans (laughs) Naomi Watts and Ted Travelstead. I mean, Adam, we told you you did not have to watch any other Children of the Corn movie because we didn't want to put you through it. But did you happen to even glance at part five, like the box? I mean, this story makes sense to me because if you are a a film studio competing with other film studios over the rights, the distribution Mm -hmm. rights specifically to sell this... uh, titles in this great franchise then yeah yeah i mean i would understand how some box sets would be missing some of the titles you want to you want to fight for control over this stuff this is valuable as a property it's ip baby yeah uh no i mean to answer your question uh, this is this is the first corn movie i've seen I'm very happy that it was this one because it kind of gives you an idea of what the first one could have been without the riffraff <laughs> of all that filled the middle. That was my thought going in. Well, you've you've gotten me into worse predicaments. Well, I knew that you liked sepia, and I think this is a perfect time to transition into our first segment of the show, and it's called Cutting Class. Attention, faculty, and students are suspended. Not until your grades improve. Cutting class. The school is closed. Cutting class is like fun factoids about the film. Emphasis on fun, right? Because we're here to have fun. We're fun people doing fun things. Starting it off, uh, Gary Bullock, he's the uh, preacher at the beginning of this one. That, uh, you know, he's a hitchhiker or his car's broken down, so she picks him up. And he is, like we said earlier, the one that quotes Bible verses that's supposed to be a prophecy for her life in this movie. But also he's a delusion at a certain point because he's not there. He also played a drunk in a bar in the previous movie where he explained why the town smelled like shit because of burning corn. Uh, him and John Franklin, the main actor in this movie, are the only two people to appear in two separate corn films. Thrilling, huh? Mm. You want to hear something crazy? <laughs> yes, I would please, Brittany. I was sitting here being like, there are zero fun facts about this film, right? So mm-hmm. I did a little digging. And you want to hear something so nuts? My fun fact is about Gary Bullock, too. And I was Whoa. thinking, like, this is hilarious. So but I was going to be like, Gary Bullock, you know, he's, like, known for his other roles. Like, he was in Bubble Boy. Sure. Uh, RoboCop 3. Oh, wow. I did not realize and that. And episode of NYPD Blue. <laughs> is this the one where they show someone's ass? God, I hope so. And Adam, you're going to love this. He was in Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, really? Uh, The two series that I haven't seen any of. (laughs) He's in the family. The one and only thing, right? Probably makes these movies canon. Well, Gary Bullock sure does have that uh, kind of otherworldly look to his face. Seems like it would lend itself well to that kind of uh, career. Well, you would know. (laughs) He has definitely got long face. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Gary Bullock, why the long face? 
<laughs> Adam, did you have a uh, fun little factoid? I did. Uh, I was... I was cruising the careers of many of these actors who seemed like semi-familiar, but I couldn't really place them. And I decided to dig deeply into the career of uh, the actor who plays Gabriel, and that's Paul Popowicz. Yes. He looked so familiar to me. And what I found out was that uh, he was Peter Fascinelli's body double in Can't Hardly Wait. Really? Which sort of like lends credence to the whole like if you can't get Peter Fascinelli in your movie, uh, maybe Paul Popowicz will pick up the phone. I hope that uh, he wears jet black sunglasses. Yeah, in that like movie clearly as well. sunglasses that you can't see through the lenses of. <laughs> I know. Oh man. Well, I only have one more. Most of the alternative titles for this movie were just the movie in different languages to the country represented to it, except for Sweden, who decided to name this movie simply 666 Isaac's Return, which I said is pretty genius since there are like literally no children in this movie. You know, Pornhub decided to retitle this this movie uh, Children of the Corn 69. Oh, I'd watch that. <laughs> Well, it is on the list, so. Uh, should we move into uh, Death Becomes Her? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now a warning. Live forever! He's dead. They think I'm dead. You are, but you're not. No, he's dead. Are you telling me it doesn't hurt when I do this? It doesn't hurt. He's dead! Everybody's dead! Death Becomes Her. This is a unique deaths in the movie that jumped out to us. Uh, Brittany, do you have a unique death? Well, did anybody? Because like, like nobody really died. Like <laughs> nobody died in this movie. That was so strange. That's a great point. I I thought this would be chock a block dead people, and I think there was how many? Two or three? Like at the very end. Yeah. There's okay. So there's electric like uh, Stacy Keach. He got electrocuted by water, even though he had rubber soled shoes. Um. Then there was the my favorite one, which was the new metal suicide by Scythe mm-hmm. scene. That was a great one. Yeah, it was like all music scores the entire movie until one new metal song comes on when a kid has to slow mo drop and kill himself because he fucked up the prophecy. Tbh. Yeah. Um, what about uh, so, Brittany? Did you end up finding one, or is it just the lack of them was like the death that was evoked <laughs> in you? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I, my selection was cooked Keech. You know, if he wasn't electrocuted in that hospital scene, the cigarettes would have gotten him, though, clearly, right? Everyone's giving oh, yeah. him shit about those cigarettes. Well, I, uh, those cigarettes are going to come back a little later when I read the letterbox review I found. Oh. Uh, so I'll save it there. But Keech... What do, what, what do you remember Keech from mostly? Because I am having trouble pinpointing my main Keech memory. He's such a that guy and his career has been so long that yeah. it seems like he's always been in film and television that I can't exactly remember his origin story. Like Me either. He's got credits back to like the late 60s. And it's just one of those faces I've, like, he is the ultimate that guy. Yeah. Harry, I do understand. I am stoned. I am stoned. How about we move on to Maniac? Let's do it. Maniac. It will tear the life out of you. Craziest thing a character does in a movie? 
And uh, I said this earlier. I'm saying it again. Gabriel, he's he's wear the he's leather coat guy. He's he who walks behind the rose in this movie, and he wears sunglasses at our tent level ninety nine. Adam, you know about uh, filming things. Do you think it's just so that there's no reflection? The thing is, there still is a reflection. Yeah. <laughs> So if that was their intent, then they failed. Touche. I, like you, thought it was a very strange choice because his performance isn't changed by virtue of his inability to see. Like I could, you could make the case that, you know, you're going to turn your Paul Popowicz, you know, into a, like if you wanted to evoke sort of a blind walk to him or Mm -hmm. make him physically uncomfortable in in a scene then i could understand like putting him in glasses he can't see out of but it's totally unmotivated yeah by anything that i could guess and i couldn't get it either in when he's like helping her under the car and still wearing sunglasses i was like is this just are they really trying to make us think cool guy because they had it with leather jacket i didn't also need the sunglasses it kind of felt like the late 90s were a time when uh, there were props in movies that were meant to be sold and popularized. Like oh. I, I feel like Oakley did a lot of product placement at this time. Yes. But, but unlike all of those instances, like Gabriel's glasses are unbranded yeah. and sort of like drugstore shaped. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. Brittany, did you ever own a pair of Oakley's Sub Zeros? Maybe. Oh, absolutely not. But on the drugstore sunglasses front, I have gotten sunglasses from the gas station. Mm. Oh, man. Are those the the ones you wore to Sir? (laughs) I cannot recall, but (laughs) probably not. It's been a couple years. Those are the ones that, like, if you sit on them, they just crumple and, like, foil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, no, those don't last very long. Well, what's the craziest thing you saw in this movie? What's your maniac moment? You know, at the very end, it was so weird when it's revealed that Gabriel is actually he who walks behind the rose or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's like all of a sudden playing some like game show where he's like, welcome to your dead. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, this is weird. I didn't understand. There's a lot of power manipulation in this that I cannot get behind and it is not justified. Oh, so like this form of magic isn't a thing that we've seen in the movies before this? It keeps changing. And then like, much like in this movie, they will use some powers at certain points when it's convenient. And then at other points where that same power would be convenient to get them out of a predicament, it's not used. Mm. Like last movie, there was a lot of lightning bolt power for some reason. Whereas previously it was a lot of like from the earth plants coming up. Lots of stuff that could be helpful, but is just written for the scene. Right. Like when Homer Simpson needs a watch, he's got a watch. <laughs> right. Uh, what, did you have a maniac moment, Adam? Yeah, you know, mine is kind of related to what you were describing, which is everything that Hannah does in this film doesn't seem motivated by anything besides the script. It's almost as if she's in a trance the entire film. Yes. Because, I, because there's no reason for her to be doing any of this. I completely agree. Why is she even driving there? Yeah. Well, didn't the lame voicemail, she's like, hi, mom, I'm sorry, I'm going to go find out my real mom. Bye. <laughs> like, I was just like, it wasn't even, that wasn't even convincing. <laughs> like, I understand starting in the middle of something, but you have to have some sort of motivation besides uh, weak lines. Right. 
Nobody wants a weak line. No. Just give them the real pure shit. <laughs> yeah, you want a you want a real thick line. We've got some fucking partying to do. <laughs> Plus, we're going to a town with one bar. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Finally, we're getting to your favorite segment and mine. Things that make you go, hmm. Might have been on uh, Arsenio Hall at a certain point in time. I'm not trying to steal anything. It's just the perfect segment. Weird things that are of its time, really. Uh, Brittany, do you want to start us off? You generally have some good hmms. Oh, yeah. You know, this is really the, the part that I can really get involved with. Oh, please. The coma guy, oh, Isaac, excuse me. <laughs> He's wearing contact lenses when he wakes up from his coma. <laughs> Like, they did a really close-up of his face, and you can see, like, the ribs, ridges of the contact lens. I'm like, what aid is taking the time to place contact lenses in a guy who's been sleeping for 19 years? Like, they show his eyes opening, and he's wearing contacts. Well, I had assumed that he had been wearing those for the entire length of his coma. (laughs) And it sort of makes sense how angry he is when he wakes up, because boy, oh boy, his eyes have got to be very dry. Yeah. And they did not have those replacement peel-top ones sitting right next to him. No. Damn it. Ugh. I thought he would have been more bloodshot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a, I was a strong debate in my own head over a couple of different things that made me go, hmm. And one ultimately rose above the other. <laughs> go on. Originally, I thought it, it was going to definitely have to be that when our main character gets pulled over... At a certain point, the police officer goes back to make a note or radio in something. And when she comes back, our main character's gone, but she had just ducked away to go pee. Uh, Having been pulled over a few times in my life, you cannot just run away to go pee. (laughs) In fact, they want you to hold that pee in for a long time. Um, But that did not win out. Uh, What won out was hose shower. (laughs) (laughs) they're like oh man i could really use a shower right now he's like i got just the thing cold water from a garden hose florida baby it turns into like a very cinemax red shoe diary passion scene but in no way is that water not 16 degrees yeah (laughs) i don't think anything's getting hot and heavy after those showers Adam, how about you? You got a thing that makes you go, hmm? Yeah, um, I mean, I, know, I this is probably like canonical corn. Okay. And just something and something that I just didn't understand. But all the dead birds that Hannah saw throughout the film seems to indicate a pretty severe pesticide problem that could be a scandal <laughs> for the agribusinesses in the area. So something to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, those aren't just uh, crop dusting planes. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, I'm just throwing in a surprise segment that uh, I think we'll all agree on. The best outfit in the movie has to be the dirt bike kid who's wearing a long sleeve shirt with a Hawaiian shirt over it (laughs) and another shirt underneath with like cargo pants. Yeah. It's also that his shirt was inside out too. Like, I was just like, (laughs) was that a choice or did that just happen? Because we've all been there. But, you know, I was. I was as I was watching all these like terribly dressed because they're not even teenagers. They're like young adults. Yes. The wardrobe is like small town youth group. You know what I mean? Like 
Yeah. I can say that because I'm from a small town and I was in youth group and I wore a bucket hat and an Elmo shirt like <laughs> through seventh grade. So like they let you get away with things. They don't tell you like they don't tease you. So you don't know that you shouldn't wear that stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And there was just missing an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Normally yep. there's like there's clothing natural selection that occurs. Yeah. <laughs> we weed them out this way. Yeah. Like pink jeans. Exactly. We finally have come to the moment. Our big takeaways, the thing. Can anybody hear me? We found something quite remarkable. We found something. Is this dork made of orange rock like the rest of his body? The thing. What we have taken away from this movie. And I think that there was a lot of uh, frayed edges to this film, to put it nicely. But I believe John Franklin really wanted to write a tale about like Gen X coming up. It's a very children of the children of the corn, but the new ways will always beat out the old ways. And it just didn't make any sense. I think that John Franklin wanted this younger generation to understand that he was still with it, but there were so many mistakes and so many just like poorly written moments that nothing connected to a central story and that's what i'm taking away from this film how about you brit well unless you're fluid bonded you know i would say like definitely use protection because that guy who you're like gonna bang out with like Mm -hmm. after the shower the hoe shower he could potentially knock you up with some corn demon spawn it might have even been his plan the whole time that he might have just but seriously there's not enough weird weed in this world (laughs) to make it okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. Use protection. Um, Adam? Uh, the big takeaway for me was how uninterested this film was in my knowledge of anything that had come before. <laughs> yeah. When you get to a fourth or a fifth or a sixth sequel in a franchise, often you will get a pre-roll that catches you up, making yep. it so that you didn't have to have watched the previous films to understand or enjoy what's happening with the film you're watching and this film does not care about (laughs) you or you're having seen any of the previous films in a way that i almost admired like perversely like it does not give a fuck about you like (laughs) like its target audience is so narrow for that reason it's almost like you talk about the prophecy of this film the self-fulfilling prophecy of this film being a failure (laughs) was preordained and uh man the end of the film made me think, like, is the next Children of the Corn film, like, Hannah's trip to the clinic? Because yeah. you can make a choice. She opens the film telling a preacher that she's not religious and that she does not want to have kids. Like, this seems like a fixable problem for her. Mm-hmm. So th- that was my big takeaway, both of those. You both make a lot of very important points, especially when it comes to visiting small towns and meeting strangers. (laughs) Now, let's rate this movie. We've got four different ways we rate films. We're open to fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighths if other people have ideas. But uh, generally, Scream is a good movie. Living Dead is just okay. Misery is a bad and not fun movie. And then we've got our wild card segment, Vampiros Lesbos, which uh, if it doesn't fit in any of the others, then let's put it there. I'll go first. I'm going with Misery. 
I did not have oh. enough fun to recommend this. Whereas in part five, it was also bad, but I would recommend watching it for the silly moments. Can't recommend that in this one. How about you, Brittany? I really just feel like it's so, I feel so ambiguous about it. It's just okay. It's a living dead. I didn't hate it, but I was really glad when it was over. Okay. Makes sense. How about you, Adam? Uh, I'm going to go for Living Dead also. I'm really, really used to watching good movies. Yes. And uh, I think a big reason why is the hit podcast, Friendly Fire. I get to watch a lot of them on that show. Wow, you're lucky. But there was something really enjoyable about like slumming it a little bit in a <laughs> in a late 90s horror film. And this is such a product of its time. It felt uh, it felt nostalgic to see it. And and that to me means uh, it can't be no fun. I, I had fun watching it for as bad as it was. So Living Dead is my rating. Well, I respect both of your decisions, uh, and I won't convince you of any other ways to watch this movie, but you have convinced me that maybe it can be fun to watch. Yeah. Just, I don't recommend doing it again. Yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, okay. <laughs> so, but if I would have approached it with a different mindset. Is there any film in this franchise that you would recommend that I watch that, that you think was actually good, that was a scream? Um... I no. don't think there's been a scream. <laughs> oh. But if I were to say to recommend one, watch part two. Part two is funny. Because it is just wild. Okay. It is, they didn't, I, I don't know. It's almost like how weird or how different uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street part two was because they just weren't sure where they were going to go with it. Mm. So uh, it's fun. Scathing indictment. Is this how they come to a complete stop in... California. We like to end an episode with uh, Letterboxd Reviews, and this one comes from uh, a user named Safe Driver, who watched this just November of last year. <laughs> and it says, uh, please watch this movie on mute and just play the worst 90s pop rock you can find, because holy shit, whoever filmed this movie was probably the god of Hanson music videos. Mm. Who let Stacy Keach practice medicine? He'd probably do a pap smear with a cigarette in his mouth. What the fuck? Wow. That that's, is not fun. That's pretty Brittany, cold. Brittany, why did I choose that one? Because he said pap smear. Oh, jeez. That's not what I want to be remembered for. <laughs> and then I'm just going to read what the next movie's about, so if anyone wants to watch it ahead of time or skip it, it's about this. After her grandmother vanishes, young Jamie decides to stay in the elderly woman's apartment in Nebraska in order to look for her. Unfortunately, all Jamie finds is a slew of sketchy neighbors and a large cornfield outside the window, frequented by a bunch of creepy kids. Things take a supernatural turn as an evil spirit arises from the fields. And that's uh, Children of the Corn Revelations that came out in 2001, which was just two years after this film came out. Wild. Adam, you have a hit podcast that you mentioned recently called Friendly Fire. Would you like to give me a, a little elevator pitch for that show? Oh, sure. It's got three hosts. I'm one of them. I host along with uh, Benjamin R. Harrison, who is a co-host on the Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation. And uh, our third is John Roderick of the 20 podcasts that he <laughs> records and produces. And together, what we do is we watch a war film 
And then we talk about that war film in, uh, in both the context in which it was made and also discuss its relationship to the war it's depicting. Also have a couple of laughs along the way. So I think you could say it's a war film podcast as its elevator pitch, but I don't know about you, Rob, as the, as the producer of that show. I think it's a whole lot more. Pull the curtain back. Yeah, it really is a whole lot more. I kind of, when I was approached to be the producer for the show, I thought it was going to be way more John Wayne and Planes. Yeah. And it has been so much more than just like poking at old films. It's really taking, I think one of you said it, it's more of like how a country views itself. Right. When it's trying to either a right its wrongs or just be like you know there's not a lot of cool stories about this war let's just make ourselves heroic again yeah it's a lot of myth making in a way that i was uh, surprised to see yeah well thanks so much for being on the show adam everyone should go and subscribe to friendly fire the greatest generation and you know what why not the greatest discovery as well why Especially not if they're watching star trek discovery it's a great podcast thanks so much for having me guys thank you thank you adam thanks Brittany. adam i'll see you whenever Brittany, i'll see you whenever but i'll see this audience in a couple of weeks with a new episode of pumpkin spice podcast see ya bye 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 Thank <laughs> you.